0: There's so much fear in the world today, you know, people are, are, are getting more and more uh, comfortable with their their hate and more united in in their separation. Anybody see all this stuff going on? This is happening even in the church and it, it's time for us to stand up and be different. We have to be different. And we don't want to get lost in a fearful world while others are, are looking for reasons to hate, we're gonna look for reasons to love. And while others are looking for reasons to to separate and to divide, we're gonna choose unity over uniformity. And we're gonna align even if we don't agree, especially if we don't agree. And we're gonna look for every opportunity possible to come alongside. Regardless of backgrounds, we're gonna come alongside. Marriages, we're gonna come alongside. Businesses, we're gonna come alongside. Your finances, like whatever it is, we wanna come alongside. And that's what parallel means. And the reason why we wanna do that is because Jesus chose to come alongside us. didn't he I mean he chose to walk with us he said this we learned this last week he says if you're tired and burned out and worn out in religion he says come away with me walk with me you know do life with me and he chose uh, invited us to walk parallel with him and so we feel like as representatives of of, of him we got to walk parallel with others too amen so let's welcome everybody that's joining us online. Welcome Audrey and Michelle and Anthony and Deborah and Sarah and Jennifer and Kristen and Tom and Carson. Awesome. Welcome to you guys. Give them a big hand wherever you guys are watching around the world. Welcome Tabor and Clare's Home and Okotoks and Lloyd Minster and Lethbridge. Welcome to all of you guys. One church in multiple locations. Welcome to Parallel Church. And the reason why the first thing is when we came up with the name we thought it means to come alongside. And we're like, that speaks to us. It, it feels like this is what we've been doing all along, but we feels like, this feels like this kind of just went kerchunk and just, it just fits. It, it's us. And and one of the things that, that we felt passionate about is to come alongside our communities. and That's what my city care does. That's what we as a church wanna do. That's what I as a pastor wanna do. You know, come alongside all different kind of past, you know, pastors, leaders, churches all around. You saw this at the launch night that, you know, we had pastors sitting all around here that we partner with and work with. And you saw communications from that. And I got so many messages from all around the world. And we so appreciate pastors and churches, regardless of backgrounds and whatever we possibly can do to come alongside. I thank God that I have pastors that come alongside me and whatever we can do. We want to partner and, and, and do whatever we can to walk with people. And, and to do what Jesus said, you know, to come alongside with him with others. But Jesus also said this. He told his disciples, when you pray, say, Our Father art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. It was an invitation of God's kingdom to here on earth. That's what, that's what Jesus wanted. He says, an invitation, invite the kingdom, God's way of doing things, God's government, God's way of doing things here on earth. And I just want to park on that for a second because... Because there's a theology of, of and that I grew up in this theology and I've heard it all over the place. And I just want I want to challenge this realm of thought, this theological thought that is that if we're not careful, it creeps into all of us. And you've probably heard this, too. How many of you have ever heard this idea that, you know, talking about Earth, this is not our home and it's talking about heaven is our home and that this is not our home that we're just here occupying. Anybody ever hear this in church? This is not our home. This is not our home. This is not our home. Wait a second. I want to challenge that thinking because the Bible doesn't say that, by the way. I want to challenge that thinking because when God created the heavens and the earth, he gave the earth to Adam and Eve, to mankind, and he says, you shall have dominion. And that's what he said. You shall lead. You should have dominion here on earth. And when we fast forward to, to Revelation, and it says when, when the end of the end comes, that God's going to create a new heaven and a new earth. And if you if you study it out and look at it, we, we might go to heaven for a while, but our final destination is that new earth. That God's plan the entire time was that for us as Christians to have, and, and part of his family, to have dominion on this territory, on, on this earth. And the reason why I bring that up is because if we're not careful, when chaos comes around and the earth gets darker and darker and we see all around, there's theologies out there that are saying, well, we are just got to occupy and just survive until one day we're going to escape this, this earth and we are going to get to... To heaven, one day, our final resting, our home. And we're going to get there. We're just going to survive while we're here. Listen, that is not Jesus' kingdom. That is not what he taught his disciples to pray. He says, your, he says, when you pray, say, your kingdom come. That's God's will, God's plan happening on this earth. Then he said to the disciples he says, you are the light of the world. So if we can't, as Christians, we can't complain about the world getting darker and darker, and not put the blame on us. Because if we're called to be the light of the the world, and if we're called to have the kingdom come here, and the earth to come here, if the world is getting darker, it's because we've turned the light off. It's not because God has, it's not because the devil has more power, it's because something's, we, we've, relegated our responsibilities and our jobs. And the reason I bring that up is because Parallel Church, listen, we come alongside. We're not here surviving the chaos and the craziness of this of this earth. We're believing that we were created for such a time as this. That it's time for the church to rise up and to be the light. That darkness is simply the absence of light. And we're going to turn the light on in any community and everywhere we can possibly go. And we're not going to live defeated. The government can restrict us from meeting. They can do whatever they want. Want, but we're not going to be defeated. We are not going to set, step back. We're going to take our rightful place as king's kids and establish the kingdom of God here on this earth. And we're going to reestablish the hope that is Jesus. So Jesus prayed. He says, he said, your kingdom come. Then he said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's inviting God's way, God's government, God's way of doing things, His will to be done on earth in the same way that it's supposed to be done in heaven. And we are the hands and feet of Jesus. He gave us the Holy Spirit, told us to to go and preach the gospel, do all these kind of things. He told us to go, and He told us to be the light, to be the salt. That's a whole other message on and of itself, you know, salt has many different functions and r- r- things that it's important things it's supposed to do. The church is called to be the light. It's called to be the salt. And, and we're supposed to, on earth as it is in heaven, we're supposed to, uh, as the church, run parallel with the kingdom of heaven. Not only are we supposed to come alongside others, but we're supposed to come alongside what's going on in the kingdom of heaven. And what God's will up there is, we're supposed to manifest it here. Amen. And we need to model. And Jesus did this. Jesus, Jesus announced his ministry. And he says, you know, he says, the kingdom of heaven is here. The kingdom of God is here. That's what, when he occupied. He says, he's here. One man, he, he, yes, he was God. But one man, he says, the kingdom of God is here. And then he, we'll we'll read it, you know, later on in a moment. But we're going to see that he transferred that power to His disciples, and to us as His followers. And that's our job to do here, is to to live and to manifest on earth what happens, God's will is, in heaven. So when heaven's throwing a party, we should reflect that. When, when, right? Church shouldn't be dull, come on. Right? When, 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 If sickness cannot exist there, we should not tolerate it. If if all these things, we have the right, the same authority. If, if, you know, water got in the way for Jesus, he walked on it. I mean, death got in the way, he rose people from the dead. Blindness got in the way, he saw that, he, he met needs. And I think what is coming and what we're in, it's time for the church to rise up in power and in miracles and in faith and not live defeated, we're supposed to rise, we're supposed to come, lead on earth, run parallel on earth as it is in heaven. Modeling what Jesus did. He says, are you tired, burnt out, worn out on religion? Religion is simply a system of beliefs that says I have to earn God's acceptance. Religion, not just has to earn God's acceptance, but it has to earn others' acceptance. Anybody ever... Go to a church where that you had to dress a certain way, speak a certain way, act a certain way. Your life had to be, you had to portray your life a certain way. Come on, let's just, let's just be real. You had to portray your life a certain way, especially on Sundays, in order to earn the acceptance of the church. And if you didn't align with their expectations, you weren't welcome. Right? That's religion. That does not reflect Jesus. Jesus says, are you tired yeah, of trying to live up to everybody's expectations? It's exhausting. Are you worn out? Yeah, from trying to get God's acceptance. Are you burned out on religion? Then he says, come with me. Walk with me. And I love this phrase. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The unforced grace is God's unmerited, which means undeserved favor. It says it's not forced. It's not earned God's favor. It's not it's not something where you have to put effort into because of God's favor. You can never be good enough. He's good enough. And Jesus says, "Learn the unforced rhythms. Of grace. Now, you've heard me teach on that before. And you maybe you know maybe many of you have heard comments from many of you and talking about parallel church and going it's just us we've been doing this and this is nothing nothing changed something feels different though doesn't it something spiritually shifted but it, but it, it's us it's, it feels like us but here's here's another question that I've I've heard asked and I and I, I know I've asked myself and we talked about this as a team is that we we've got you know we launched with momentum and we're all excited and it's all good and it. And all that, it's not just changing the name on a building and, and cool swag, although the swag is pretty cool. Um, all that kind of stuff, what this is all about, this is something that we're not wanting to do for a year, for two years. This is what we want. We want to occupy and do church this way till Jesus comes back. And man, this is, this is not something that is going to be, yeah, fast moving and then go away and all that energy and too good to be true. Let, let, I mean, many of you are going, yeah, this sounds really good, but how in the world are we going to sustain this and how is it not going to go back to what man always does and messes up church? Anybody ever had that thought? Just me? It's like, how do we, how do we not go back? And here's, here's how. I, I want to address this over the next number of weeks. Here's how we've talked about as a staff and saying we can't go back to what was. We can never go back to what was. We can never settle for what was. How are we going to be? How are we going to sustain this? And how can we guarantee that we're going to? This is going to be different. And here's how. Our, our key verse, our guiding verse, is this one in John 13, 34. And I've preached this before, but I want you to see this again. Jesus said this: A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, I've talked about this, but I I want you to just put this in the context. Jesus is addressing, when he says this, he's addressing his disciples, but also listening in is a whole crowd of Jewish people. This is in Israel. He's got a whole crowd of Jewish people. So when Jesus starts off by saying, a new command I give you, I'm thinking, if I was in that crowd, I would have rolled my eyes, and I'm thinking everybody else in that crowd probably rolled their eyes too. And the reason being is because... God gave Moses 10 Commandments, 10. By the time Jesus came along, the Pharisees and all the religious leaders from Moses's time until Jesus's time had added 602 more. So in Jesus's time, there was 612 Jewish commands that you had to live by in order to get accepted by God, is what they said, or by the Jewish faith. And anybody that didn't follow those, well, man, you were you were outcast of outcast. I mean, you can see that by just how Jesus had interactions with them. Let, let me give you, some of these commands were ridiculous. This is what man does. Man has this way of creating rules. Nobody's seen that lately, right? We have a way of creating rules and regulations. That's what man likes to do. Because we, we're going we're gonna to solve all problems by creating more rules. Right. That's not that, Yeah. That, they've, they've tried that. They tried in Jesus' time. And one of the crazy rules in, in the Pharisees had is literally, this was one of the laws, one of the 612, is that you could not spit in the dirt on the Sabbath. Because if you spit in the dirt on the Sabbath, it would turn to mud. That would be work. So therefore, it was a sin to spit in the dirt on the Sabbath. Six other days of the week, have at her. (laughs) Sabbath, no. That'd be breaking the law. I mean, it was was crazy. And then Jesus comes along and says, a new commandment I give you. And I'm thinking, all the Jewish people listening are just rolling their eyes and going, 613. Oh, here we go. But Jesus wasn't saying that. His followers didn't understand it that way. What Jesus is saying, he says, I replace all 612 with this one. This one command I give you. Then he says this. This is what's amazing. Love one another. And you think if he's going to replace all of the Jewish commands, all of Moses' commands, all of the Old Testament, he's going to replace all of that, you think that he would say, okay, there's one commandment. You would think you'd fill in the blank and going, love God. That would make most sense, wouldn't it? But Jesus didn't say that. He didn't even say, you know, when he said love God and love, you know, Love your neighbor as yourself. That was in response to the Pharisees asking about the Old Testament law. And he says, Yeah, you could sum up in those two things. But then Jesus says this: He says, Love one another. This is the new command, the replacement, love one another. Which I'm going, what about love God? And I think his disciples thought the same thing. And here's why I think that is because John, who wrote this, this John who wrote this the same John, wrote first, second, third John in the New Testament. He also said in that one, he said this and he clarified this one statement. He says, if you don't love your brother, you cannot love God, which seems backwards to me. In my natural thinking, I'm thinking if I love God, then I can love others. But John says, if you don't love others, you cannot love God. In other words, what John said is, if you don't get the horizontal relationships right, you're not going to have a vertical relationship. And you see this because religion constantly isolates and pushes people away and does all all these kind of things. And, and, And yet they get this super holy posture of their relationship with God is so good, which is why they have to reject you. And John's like, no, 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 you can't do this. Now let me ask you this question. Jesus Jesus said this. This is the new command. Let me ask you this question. How is the church reputation today? It's terrible. I mean, how many of you you proudly say at work because it's got such a great reputation, I go to church. I'm a Christian. I mean, you say that. I mean, people are going to pounce on you. But let me ask you this question. If we had just as the church for the last 2000 years had lived by this one command. Would it be different? Jesus was on to something. Jesus says, love one another, this new command, love. If you just do this one thing, he says, church, if you just do this one thing, love one another, then he says, as I have loved you. Yeah. Whoa. And his disciples are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because they're thinking, Matthew's thinking, well, Jesus loved me and he hung out with me and chose to hang out with me and my sinner friends and disregard his own reputation to do that. And Peter's thinking, Jesus loved me, that he still stuck with me when I said stupid stuff. And then, I mean, and I denied him and he still loved me like like all these things. And they could said, well, the adulterous woman could say, yeah, Jesus didn't reject me or condemn me when I was in my sin. He came alongside. Loved me anyway. And all the prostitutes and the tax collectors and all the people that Jesus associated with, they're like, whoa, loving like Jesus loves. That's different. That's not natural. And this one, if we just live by this one command, this is how we are different than religion. Just this. Just this. Because religion says you have to align with me in order for me to love you. You have to behave like me, vote like me, think like me in order for me to accept you. That's what religion says. But Jesus, Jesus said something different. And this, is, this is one of our statements. We're going to put it on our wall. And this is, this is, what, this is how we're going to make sure that parallel church is different. Is that we, we're going to say, we love all. And this is not wimpy. <laughs> this is tough. We love all. That means that we acknowledge the imperfections in ourselves and, we, and those in our community, but we're dedicated to loving all. That means, loving all, means that I am not going to grade your sin and compare your sin to my sin. That I'm not going to create hierarchies of sin that your sin is worse than my sin so therefore you can't you can't quite be as holy as me or as good a Christian as me and you can't you can't be here because your sin is so bad you can never listen sin is sin missing the mark is missing the mark Paul said it this way he says for all have sinned and fall short short is short like Like we you miss the mark, you miss the mark and we can't. religion wants to grade sin and and judge your sin. Compare your sin to my sin. And I mean, come on. Jesus didn't do that. And his disciples didn't do it either. Jesus loved all and he chose unity, not uniformity. Unity, not uniform. What does that mean? We, we allow this guiding verse to, to drive it this way like and that means uni- unity, not uniformity means we align even if we don't agree. And I would take it a little step further saying we align, especially if we don't agree. We celebrate the differences in one another. The reason why this is so important, I mean Jesus said this new command to give you, but also Jesus prayed the last prayer that he prayed before going to the cross. And Jesus knew what was coming. He's talking to his disciples last recorded prayer before he goes to the cross. And and when the last, you know, if you know that your end is coming, you're on your deathbed, you know that what you're going to say, you're not going to use trivial words. You're going to say what is most heavy on your heart, most important. And so this last prayer in John 17 is Jesus this is he's saying this is what's most important, what's most heavy on my heart. Look what he says. He's praying for his disciples. Now, I'm thinking He's a, he knows that he's a, he's spent three years with them, he's trained them, and he's left this group of of you know outcasts, you know crazy I mean hanging out with Peter for just a little bit, you're thinking, yeah, I'd be praying too if I'm about to leave him in charge of the church and going yeah, I mean I'd pray too. Jesus was praying for them and look at look at the prayer. It's a desperate prayer as you can imagine, but it's totally different than what I would have prayed look at look at. In John 17, verse 20, he says, And I ask, he's praying to the Father, not only for these disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. In other words, in Jesus' last prayer, he prayed for you. He prayed for me. We're all included in this prayer. But look at what he prayed. Look at this. He says, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, the Father, are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, I, that's cool that he's praying for this, but, look, but he presses down and he goes, he goes in this. And this is not how I would have prayed. How I would have prayed is, you know, God, I pray that they would understand all of my teachings. I pray that they would stay theologically right. I pray that they'd be a proper representative of me to everybody else. I pray all this kind of, I would have prayed that they, would, you know, Peter would would not say stupid stuff. I would be praying stuff like that. I pray that Thomas would overcome his doubts and press on anyway. I got, I'd got. i be praying these kind of things, and and Jesus is like, his most important prayer wasn't that they stay theologically right or, or correct, or that church would be run exactly how he wanted it to. He says, I I pray that they would be one. And then he says, so that the world will know. And I'm thinking, why? Okay, why? Why? What does that mean? If we were to do this, if we were to be, you know, if we if we preach the right, you know, theology, then then we can get it right and people will come to knowledge of God properly. But no, he's like, no, no. He says, if they become one, the world will know. How does that work? You know how that works is because what he's praying is so humanly unnatural. What is natural is for us to separate. What's natural is for us to divide into camps. And in in Jesus's day, they did the same thing. They divided into camps, Jews and Gentiles. You know, they, they divided, they had all these different camps. And today, it's humanly natural for all of us to divide into camps, even in the church. And then Jesus says, hey, if they can stay unified and stay as one and not follow the natural path of dividing into camps, that's going to be a witness. And they're going to know that they're with me, that something's different. And then then he goes a little bit further. He, he doubles down on this and he goes, look at this. He says, for the very glory you have given to me, now, glory—that word, glory—that means the fullness of God or the full presence of God, the fullness. So, the very fullness of God you have given to me, I have given to them. Which I mean, think about this: the fullness of God that that was in Jesus, that he could walk confidently. Wherever he went, I mean, how confident would you be if you, you knew that sickness comes, you get rid of it. You knew that death comes, you just raise them up. You know that water's in the way, you know, you, know, you can walk on it. You know if a storm comes, you can just, you know, proclaim peace. I mean, you you got confidence, the fullness of God, that same thing. He says that full glory, that fullness of God, he says, I've given to them so that they can lord it over everybody else so that they can control and with power and have all this might and control and it could be about them so that they can make it all about themselves no 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 he says this i've given them the fullness of god so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy in other words the full power of god the full purpose of all this is so that we can be one In unity, and then he says, "You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity." He says, "You live fully in me; I live fully in them." That's the Holy Spirit. He's promising all this, and look at—he says—so that they can have revival in the church and have all these gifts manifest and all these kind of crazy things and all the da, 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 da. he says i given them the full power of the holy spirit listen what we've taught as the church for so long what we've focused on we have missed some things we put the focus on we've made the sub things the main things and we've lost the main thing listen this is what he says the the fullness of god's presence is manifested not in in the the power expressions of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is expressed and manifest when what? So that we experience perfect unity. Wow. So you know how we know this is a Holy Spirit Church. It's by our love. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So that the world and the world will be convinced there it is again that you sent me because it's going to be so different. And you're, we're going to need the Holy Spirit to do this because that's not natural to align with people we disagree with. It's not natural. But if we did this, listen, if we followed this command, you, you track it with me? If we followed this command, Jesus, you know, this new command, love one another, the reputation of the church would be different. And people would be flocking to the church now for hope and for all the rest of it because it would be so opposite, so different. Are we getting this? For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passion and love that you have for me. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about relationships, not religion. And what he's talking about is that in relationship, we get involved in people's lives no matter how messy, because we believe everyone matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. It means that love has no contingencies, that perfection isn't required to be accepted. That means that we align even if we don't agree, that your best is enough. Now this sounds all all well and good, and you look at this and go, yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right, that's all good. And I think the, the disciples having listened to all this, they would have probably thought the same thing. They're like, "Okay, yeah. Love one another. We can do that." Like like you know, as I have loved you. That's a little bit tougher, but yeah, we can we got this. Jesus, we got this. We you, we got this. And look at I, I want, this is not easy. Not easy at all. In fact, and I love the fact that the Bible shows as many faults as it does miracles. That the early church it, it took them 11 chapters before this got tested in a major way. Because this is not easy. And I'm not promising that we're going to be perfect as a church and we're going to love and everything's all good now because we changed our name. I'm not saying that. I'm saying this is what we have the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. That we need we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to do this. And that this is not going to be easy. That we're going to have struggles. We're going to miss it. I promise you we're going to miss it. That there's going to be times where like it's, this is hard. And the reason why I know it's hard is because look at this. In Acts chapter 11, 11 chapters into the birth of the church, and Jesus has ascended into heaven. 11 chapters in, look what happens. It says the apostles, that's Peter, James, John, that's Jesus' disciples, and the believers that they led to the Lord throughout Judea, heard that the Gentiles also received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Now I read this and I was like, for some reason I read it wrong this week. I was like, so that the vaxxed believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of the unvaxxed men and ate with them. (laughs) come on (laughs) are you criticizing look at it it. it's so easy it's so natural isn't it for human nature to criticize and to separate into us and them?s and right here I mean Peter just had revival but it was the wrong group of people to have revival with apparently because it wasn't it wasn't the outside world that criticized Peter it was the church they said, wait, 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 Peter, you're talking about, your... he's coming back and giving a report of great things that God had done. Or are like, wait, with who? And they started criticizing him for the who that he was with. Come on, may we be criticized for the same things. But look at this. This is Peter's response. He says, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them notice how many times there's thems and (laughs) us's. The Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remember what the Lord had said, you know, had said, you know, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could stand in God's way? I want you to see something now. Who's the thems for us? Like Who's the thems in, in your life? The thems that, yeah, I don't know. That, th- those are the thems that are outside the reach of God. And I, I also noticed this last line. It says, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? You know, What's standing in God's way on planet Earth? Or what you know standing in God's way in Lethbridge or any of the cities that we're watching? You know standing in God's way? It's not the devil. It's not the government. It's not the darkness. You know who's standing in God's way? Us. Because we're choosing to live like society wants us to live. The us's and the thems the vaxxed and the unvast the masked and the unmasked the liberals and the conservatives come on the ndp and let's go come on <laughs> the packers <laughs> i i still need i still need repentance and prayer. just you know. it's a miracle that i still love jamie it's a miracle but the Holy Spirit. Anyway, just say. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? Okay, we'll just put it this way. The rough riders. Oh, anyway. <laughs> the oilers, and the flames, the uses and them's. Come on. So what Peter says, I was standing in God's way. Who am I to stand in God's way? Then he says this. When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying. So then even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. Let me ask you, who's your even twos? Even to them. So when Jesus says, love one another, he's saying, even the thems. Who do you think is outside of God's reach. I thank God that there's no one outside of God's reach. Because then he could reach me. We're called to love all. Today's takeaway simply we believe everybody matters to God. Whether God matters to them or not. We are parallel church. Now, the reason why we put that in there, we are parallel church is because this, because parallel church is not a place you attend. Parallel church is not the sign once we get it done on on the building outside. That's 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 not parallel church. Parallel church is all of us. And that doesn't happen. Parallel church doesn't just happen on Sunday morning. Parallel church means that you we choose all of us. We choose to come alongside everyone in our community, at your workplace, aligning even with those you disagree with. Believing everyone matters to God, whether God matters to them or not. It means when you're with your family, I can align. I come alongside. My coworkers, with my neighbors, we come alongside. We look for opportunities to love all. And what if, just imagine, what if, what if we live by Jesus' one command to love one another as He loved? What if we just did that? What if? Let's pray. God, help. Help us to do this. We thank you, Jesus. You promised that your fullness, your presence, your Holy Spirit's with us to strengthen us. And I ask, Holy Spirit, help us even this week to have supernatural love, a fruit of you being with us. Someone that might disagree with us, might be critical of us. God, I pray that you'd help us, give each one of us strength. Give me strength, God, to align even when I don't agree, to love all thank you for first loving us even when we didn't love you back thank you for never leaving us not forsaking us never turning your back on us never walking away from us we gave you every reason to walk away but you you loved us anyway help us to do the same in Jesus name amen
1: Guys, I'm so glad that you stuck with us through this point of the service. Man, if you're watching with us for the first time, thank you so much for joining Parallel Church this Sunday. Now, we're not done yet because we always want to give the opportunity for somebody who may have been watching this for the first time to build a relationship and start a relationship with Jesus. And we can do that in a very easy step. You want to follow along with me. Now in scripture, it says that if you confess with your mouth, Believe in your heart that God sent his son to die and rose him again three days later, that you can be saved and you can have a relationship with Jesus right now. Now in the chat, we're gonna throw some tools up there after this prayer so that you'd be able to click on it, click the link and it'll take you to your next step. But with you right now, I just wanna have an intimate moment despite what's going on around you, wherever you're watching from, I want you to just repeat after me in this prayer. And as we pray this, believe in all your heart and know that when we pray this together, that it is establishing a relationship for a personal relationship with you in Jesus. You're not joining a church, you're not joining an organization, it is simply you starting a one-on-one relationship with God. And if you want that today, if you want that hope in your life, today, Thanksgiving Sunday is a fantastic day to make that decision and market. So, why don't you pray along with me? Say, Dear Jesus, I thank you, and I confess, and I believe, that you rose again from the dead. And I ask you right now to come into my life, be the Lord of my life, my savior and my friend. I thank you that my past is past and that I could begin a new life with you today. In Jesus name, amen. Amen, amen. That is the first time. If that is the first time that you've said that, I want you to go ahead and click on the I have decided link that our our host team is throwing up in the chat. Or if you made the decision today and you want to make, make it public, go ahead, throw in the comments, say, I have decided. I made that decision today. Thanksgiving Sunday is my turnaround Sunday. Guys, let's be vocal about it. If not, just follow the links that the host team has provided for you and we will take you to your next steps in that congratulations and a big round of applause across all of our campuses through the online platform across the world if you made that decision today. Best decision you'll ever make in your life.